Praise God, saints. Good morning. Good to be with you all this morning. Ira, thank you. Uh, you know, precious saints, those of us who are born again, we so desperately need to understand that song. Change my heart, O oh God. We're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. That none of us in here can change our own heart. It cannot happen. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I really want you to tuck that away for the rest of your walk. To think about that. Because there's so many times we make New Year's resolutions and we make vows to God. Oh God, I'm going to change. I'm going to do this. If you do and you do it on your own, it's going to be temporary. It needs to come out of the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to talk to you this morning a little bit about amazing miracle called the transforming power of the Incarnation. You know, we celebrated Jesus' birth, and um, there's going to be a number of scriptures I'm going to go over. There's only one that has a little link to it. Some I'm just going to say, and some will be on the screen. But let's just pray. Oh, Papa, we just lay ourselves out before you. We say, come fill us afresh. We present our ears, our very soul man, spirit man to you. Say, please, may your kingdom come today freshly and may your will be done as we submit ourselves to you. Oh, Lord, whatever comes out, I just pray that there would be application as we walk through these doors and go back out into the world. And may you be glorified in what we talk about today, Papa, in Jesus' name. Now, the beginning is going to be a little bit of bad news. It's going to be dark and bad, but, but, I love the but, because that means good news is coming. We're going to start off with the first Christmas verse. The first Christmas verse. It's not Matthew, it's not Luke. Anybody know where it is? Genesis. So, Genesis 3, 15. And the, the Lord God speaking to the enemy. And he said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And he, the Lord, shall crush you on the head. The original Hebrew is crush on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. How's that a Christmas verse? Well, it's because without Jesus' incarnation, he would never come to go to the cross. And without the resurrection, the cross would be futile. And so, the enemy did bruise him on the hill. He crucified him. But he didn't stay dead. And so, when the Lord rose again, what did he do? He, anybody seen the movie, The Passion of the Christ? And there was a snake going through the garden and Jesus walked up and went, catch that, guys. Because that's exactly what happened. See, he bruised Jesus temporarily. But Jesus took him out eternally. Please remember that. There's just not this Rocky going on right now and Mr. T between God and Satan. He has been defeated. Sometimes we let him. There's things he gets away with. But God doesn't let him. He's got it under control. I just want you to know that. Now, because of that, why did Jesus come? Because of sin. Because of that sin, it did something to us. You know, we were created in God's image in Genesis 126. 
We were created in the image of God. His communicable attributes, some of them are non-communicable. None of us in here are omnipresent, omnipotent, all of those things. But there were things he transferred to us and allowed us experience. And so when he did that, he said, it is good. And then when sin came, every bit of you, every bit of a human being was distorted or perverted. See, we are tripartite persons. God is triune. Father, duh, and, and Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But one God. And we are tripartite persons. We're body, soul, which is our mind, will, and emotion, and our spirit man. And our spirit man died when sin came in, and Jesus came to give us a new spirit. And so we are also tried. There's schools of thought that by, try, but I'll stick with the try, and it's okay. If I'm wrong, it's not a bad wrong. <laughs> because we were made in the image of the Lord. Now, because of that, sin came in and affected our bodies. We get sick and die. It affected our mind, will, and emotion, did it not? It affected that, and our spirit man was no longer in fellowship. But let me say this to you. Our mind, our will, and in our emotions, something happened to the will. God gave us a free will, and it turned from being dependent on Him to independent about us. The word perfectly described is iniquity. We say sin, transgression, those are kind of milk toast. But I like iniquity better. No, I don't like iniquity, but I like the definition better. And what is that? Marilyn wants to say it. Having one's own way. Now, I know none of you in here experience that. And so we'll talk to your mates, your siblings. We'll talk to your co-workers. It's, it's innate in us because of sin. And so it, watch my statement. Because of that sin and our free will, ready? We are the most difficult beings that God ever created to deal with. I mean, God. I mean, there's so many things in the Old Testament, and it's not true that, oh, I relent, I repent, I, don't, I shouldn't have done this. He's just using those words to set us up. He's a sovereign God. He's had the plan in place, and it's a good plan. But He just speaks those things to us about some of the, you know, God can't be frustrated. He's perfect. But, Boy, is he working with people that have a free will. And because of that, the creatures are amazing. They just do what God's created them to do. But we, it's amazing he gave us that free will. So, because of that now, he's still sovereign. Let's look at the heart of someone who's not born again. The natural, innate human being who is not born again, let's see what the Bible says. These are not my words. These are the Bible. This is not an opinion. This is the truth. The first one is in Jeremiah 17, verse 9. Watch. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Whoa. Man, that's other people I know. I wish they'd get their heart right. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? 
But now let's go to the New Testament and see what the Lord says in Romans chapter 3. Verse 9. Paul's writing to the Romans, What then? Are we better than they? Not at all, for we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. Here's the problem. The Christian Jews and the Christian Gentiles, the Gentiles got a little arrogant as Christians and said, you Jews blew them off, you're toast. And, uh, and Paul said, oh really? I think you've been grafted in, but they're in the root system. Watch what he says about it. There is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside together and have, they have become useless. Man, there's none. No, this is a little negative, isn't it? There is none who God's good, not even one. Their throat is like an open grave. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The position, the poison of asp is under their lips. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths. And the path of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before them in their eyes. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Boy, was that exciting. I just wanted to pump you all up this morning with good news of what an unregenerated heart acts like. You know, I think about my own going through things. But let me say this to you. There's good news. Let me read something to you. Someone wrote about Peter. Peter, do you remember Peter said, Jesus, where are you going? Oh, I'm going to die. Man, you're not going. I'm not going to let you. And by the way, wherever you go, I would die for you. Anybody remember the three denials? Not only did he deny, but he cursed. Peter was sort of out there. <laughs> Spoken straightforward. Listen, his denial and what he went through, you talk about God doing a transformation in someone, he would have never, he's the only, he shared it. Otherwise, it would have been private, would it not? I mean, what he did when he denied, he went off by himself and in great anguish. Oh, what I did to my Lord, he wept. The Greek words there couldn't even describe the kind of weeping and angst he was in. But if he didn't share it with anybody, it had never been written. What I'm sharing with you today, even through my couple of years of the dark night of the soul, I never thought I would go there with some of my thoughts about the Lord and some of the darkness. In fact, listen to this. It's by Andrew Hudgens. The heart's a violent muscle, opening and closing. Who knows what we might do by day? Or by night, the craziness of dreams. <laughs> by day, the craziness of intellect and logic. There is no telling what we'll do in our fierce drive to come together. The heart keeps opening and closing like a mine where fire still burns. A century underground like the, falling the veins of black coal, rearing up to take a barn, a house, or a meadow. You know, saints, sometimes we don't realize what the unregenerated heart looks like, or what ours was. But let me tell you what it looks like and what it is. Anybody know what this is? Yeah, we're not talking about Christmas stocking. 
we're talking about the heart is deceitfully wicked. And it wants what it wants. And yes, there's a, there's a sense because we're in, in, created in the image of God that there's parts of us that are still good, if I may, but not righteous. There's not an ounce of righteousness in this. It's got amazing potential of fire and heat and destruction. That's what an unborn again heart looks like. And I'm not talking about our Jarvac 7 or my ventricles or I'm not talking about my atrium. I'm not talking about the natural heart. The Bible talks about the inner man. It's exactly what happens in the inner man. This is what goes on. I mean, it's hard for us to think about this and imagine it. And I'm going to keep it here. Don't get distracted by me having a problem. You see, but, but, but the good news. Here's what I want to tell you in the good news. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Now, last week, Lenny talked about Romans 12, 1. Now, I'm going to do 12, 2. And it's this. But first, before that, let me do this. Romans 10. Go to Romans 10. Verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the Scripture says, whoever believes in Him will not be disappointed. Go to 12. I'm going to do one. Lenny did one last week. I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Watch too. Great news. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. The word transformation there in the Greek is metamorphi. What word are you familiar with? You're allowed to speak. I don't mind. We're Sunday morning. Huh? Meta. And what is your perfect example of metamorphosis that we get in biology? Well, what did it start out in? A worm. Do you remember Jeremiah? Jeremiah said, I'm nothing but a worm. And I'm a black, hard, cold worm. But, good news, when you declare, Jesus comes in and metamorphizes you. Do you know it's easier for God to change a worm to a butterfly than it is to change you into a saint? That butterfly is just walking out. It's what God created us to do. I remember Elaine teaching us, and she said, if you take a little knife and you cut the membrane and help them, they'll never grow the wings strong enough to fly. Don't cut your own membrane. Let the Holy Spirit deliver you, transform you, because it's making you strong. You see, you've been transformed. 
And to what? What happens when, when something is made of coal? What does it become later? Anybody? A diamond. A diamond. You know what it took to get this to this? Boy, y'all were... Give it again. Pressure. Heat. All kinds of stuff. But you know what? That's just later. You see, I just described to you justification. You've been justified. You couldn't do it yourself. So God saved you. In fact, in Jeremiah... The Lord was after you. And so he said in Jeremiah, the same Jeremiah said that we have a wicked heart, deceitful. He said, I will give them a heart that wants me. Who did? He did. The Holy Spirit draws us. He, he woos us to Jesus. You didn't do it under your own volition. But when you took your free will and said, yes, he took this piece of coal. And he made you this. Now I'm going to declare something that might be simple. But every one of you that's born in here today is no longer this and never will be. You'll always be this. Is that good news? In fact, Ephesians 2, 6 says, Where are you seated right now if you're born again? At the right hand of the Father with Jesus seated in heavenly places. You think a chunk of coal is going to be there? Boy, it'd burn up quick <laughs> at the throne of God. But as a diamond, see your spirit, man, the very thing I told you before died, is now born again. Do you remember what it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17? It says that we are new creatures. You see, your mainspring has been changed. That's the way Oswald Chamber calls it. Here's another good one. This just affirms everything we're saying. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with and it is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. And the faith and the love is mine forever. And that's what allows me to sit in heavenly places because I've gone from a chunk of coal to a diamond. I'm sorry, but the church, guess what? The church looks at diamonds and said, I'm shinier than you are. My shape is better than you are. Well, guess what? You just clouded your diamond. You see, you'll never backslide to a coal, chunk of coal again. But your diamond can get cloudy. Charlie brought up, even after we're born again, how many of you know there's temptation remains? After you were born again, did any of you ever sin again? Or once, the rest of your life? There. See, it's the difference between the position and the power. We who are born again now have the power of the Holy Spirit not to sin. When you're an unbeliever, you sin naturally. Now we have supernatural power not to sin because as being born again, we now have a new heart. Is that good news? It should be so encouraging to you. And to everyone. Now, I have to tell you, there's two groups of people in here with a subgroup. One, you're born again. 
Two, you're not born again. But 1A, you're born again, and you might have backslidden, and your diamond's a little cloudy. Do you know what it takes to shine a diamond in real factories? (laughs) They take water and oil, and they take parts of the diamond they shaved on the floor of other diamonds. Get the message, because I'm telling you about sanctification. You are to be conformed to the image of Jesus. That only happens by your diamond being polished. And it gets polished with others' yuck. See, your yuck needs to be polished off, and their yuck is on the floor. And they take the oil, and they take the water, and they rub. Have you been rubbed lately? And that rubbing comes from all different things in life. It comes from your mate. It comes from siblings. It comes from children. It comes from co-workers. I can feel them rubbing for me. And Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, says, that's because I love you. I, I want you to be set free. Because when we're practicing sin or we got an attitude, we're not free. We are not free. It's a strong... And, and it was for freedom's sake, Galatians says. It was for freedom's sake that Jesus set us free. So as we have an attitude or unforgiveness or practicing a sin, then your diamond is getting cloudy. And Papa says through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. In Italian, it's a bacca bacca. He took me behind the woodshed a number of years ago. Hear my heart. It hurts so good. Please, sin is never good for us. Even your little whoopee sin. It's not good for us. Because God hates sin. And so, a little bit of encouragement as we come down here to the end. I want to read something to you. I'm going to encourage you. Let me give you a verse. Hebrews Two, it's my last verse. Start with verse nine. It's ten there, but don't worry about it. But we do see him who has been made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that by the grace of God he might taste death for who? Come on, everyone. Oh, that's right, you don't have the verse up there. Now you'll see. But we do see him who has been made for a little while lower than the angels. No, I'm sorry, just read that. Verse 10. For it was fitting for him for whom are all things and through whom are all things and bringing, say it with me, many sons to glory to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings for both he who sanctifies And those who are sanctified are all from one Papa, for which the reason he is not ashamed to call us brethren. My gosh, the miracle from what the enemy started. I don't know about you, there's things in my heart that pop up sometimes. It's like, you've got to be kidding me. Where did that come from? The inner man, the natural man. We're not complete yet. My soul, my mind, my will is not complete yet, but it's being 
sanctified. Did you see that it said, where was that? Bringing many sons. Bringing, bringing, bringing. I call this the ministry of the ING. Paul said, Philippians 3.10, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, fellowship of his suffering. Not that I have arrived, but I'm a rising. We're constantly being conformed to the image of Jesus. That's called sanctification. And you get your PhD in sanctification when you take your last breath. My sister came up to me one day. She said, Brother, this was 30 years. I need to schedule you for deliverance. I said, my deliverance? No. And she said, I want to be delivered from pride. And I said, well, we'll have to schedule your funeral at the same time. (laughs) Why? Well, we'll have to kill you, and then you won't ever have pride again. (laughs) This is what we struggle with. But we have a power called the Holy Spirit who continually is there to assist, to help, to comfort. And here's, let me encourage you with this. The St. Peter principle. He and Paul did this, believe it or not. Even after the resurrection, even after he ministered everywhere. He was a racist, by the way. I don't know if you know that. He was the Archie Bunker of his day, and some of you won't even know what that means. He certainly was. And then finally... The Italian Cornelius, one of the first Gentiles to be saved. Italians! Hey, you think that's not a miracle? Who nailed them to the cross? Italians! And all of a sudden, he goes over to Cornelius' house. Cornelius, he's preaching the gospel. Cornelius and his whole household get saved. They're prophesying. They're speaking in tongues. And Peter in Acts 10.34 says, Oy vey! Now I understand that anyone, any person or nation that comes to Jesus can be saved. That is transformation. And that's what he's doing to us. You ready? I'm going to encourage you with this. As soon as I read this, worship team's coming up, and then I'll come up and pray for you. We don't know what is in us. It's probably less noble than we'd like to think. But the one who knows the secrets of every heart not only calls us and forgives us, but equips us to follow and do the things we never dreamed we can do. Every one of you in here has destiny. Some of you never, may never even come up on that course because you're not born again. You're still a coal, a heart of coal. But you have the opportunity. I'd just like to invite you to come up, pray. Maybe you need a little shining on your diamond. Holy Spirit's ready to do that. And then after they finish that song, worship. And after you come up, if you do, I'll close in prayer.